Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So I'm excited, man. What a great Sunday. I don't, I don't have a ton of time, obviously. I don't want to... Uh, we went crazy in the beginning today. If you're new today, we don't do this every Sunday. Uh, well, I guess we go after God every Sunday. We don't always do. We did this morning. Uh, the methods change. Come on, we're not Methodist. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> it's a joke. Tough crowd. Uh, but we do, we do go after God with all of our hearts. And so, man, if you're brand new today, I want to say welcome. This is Ocean's Church. We are a almost four-year-old church. 211 Sundays old, I believe, today. A lot of great weekends. Over 5,000 people have given their lives to Jesus in this church. Maybe you're one of them. We're glad you're here today. And uh, we believe that when God's word is stood on, we're not into into uh, deconstructing God's word. We're not into cutting and pasting things to accommodate our values and our worldview. We believe in a God that we're made in his image. We don't make him in ours. Long ago, a great theologian said, in the beginning, God created man, and ever since, man has been trying to return the favor. We're not making God in our image. Can I get a good witness in here? I know sometimes it's not popular, it's not trendy, it's not as sexy as other things on social media, but I would tell you this, that there's something powerful about standing and living your life on this word. If you're atheist today, I want to say welcome, and that presence you felt, yeah, it's called presence. It's not called vibes. It's not called, I got kind of emotional, I got a little teary-eyed, I don't know why, I was getting sentimental. Uh, That's the glory. And you might not agree with our methods, you might go, these people are singing too long and too loud and it's way too hot, why are we outside? But I would tell you this, when God shows up, it's, it's worth it. And right now you're wondering, is this really, is that God that I felt? Yeah, that's, that's God. That people didn't show up on 97 degree Sunday because we're just religiously uh, committed people. We showed up because somewhere along our, our, our life, we had this real encounter with a real God that really loves us, that really wants to know us personally. And if you're here today and you've never had that personal encounter with God, I believe that today's your day. Say with me, return. Uh, I believe that this is a, a week. We did a, a, a message last Sunday. If you missed it, you can hop online, our podcast. I want to thank everybody that goes on our podcast, that listens and rates the podcast. That's awesome. Um, but today, I want to I want to stay in this vein of returning. We are starting a brand new series uh, next week. Uh, I'm really really excited about it, and uh, I believe it's uh, it's going to be kind of titled after our conference, our four year gathering. That's called as we praise. We we believe as a church that as we begin to praise, not just with our voices and with instruments, but with obedience, with tenacity, with commitment, with love for God, that things begin to shift. Wonders happen as we praise. Miracles happen as we praise. Revival happens as we praise. Reformation happens as we praise. Dead marriages come back to life as we praise. Lost kids come home as we praise. So I'm fired up about it. It's going to be awesome. So don't miss next week. It's going to be really good. It's going to be G-O-O-D good. If you believe it, say amen. Say wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Say it upside down, mom. All right, just making sure you're with me today. Come on, raise your hand if you were there on your birthday. All right, just making sure. Okay, we got everybody. All right. You guys good? <laughs> I'm telling you, you speak to a crowd, this, this environment, it's not easy. This is like, this is not for the JV team. You guys ready? All right, Luke 15. Get your Bibles out, Luke 15. I won't, I'll preach shorter, and it'll get cooler if you just say amen. 
All right, let's get into this today. I want to talk to you familiar passage. I think it's impossible to cover the idea or the subject matter of returning without going to maybe the greatest return in all of Scripture. I believe that Luke 15 is the heart of God for every one of his kids to return. Uh, I, I talked about this passage before on a couple of occasions, but I felt uh, just a, a new lens and new urgency. For some of you today, this is the Sunday that you reconnect with God and you start a relationship with him that will last the rest of your life. I was praying last night. God told me there are some of you today that are going to reconnect today that you will never be disconnected to God the rest of your days. You're going to tie the moment of your life when things changed to today's day. What's today's date? The 4th. It's September 4th. When did things change for you? It was September 4th, 2022. I couldn't tell you what the preacher talked about. I'm pretty sure he was wearing shorts. He could have done an altar call for senior citizens with hemorrhoids. I was responding. God was speaking to my heart. Can I get an amen? When you know that you know that God is speaking to you, you respond. There is something that happens in the response that captures God's heart. And today I want to talk to you about being alive again. I love Dennis's my story because he used the phrase, I just wanted to come alive. He basically was talking about, there was, look, he had a business, he had money, he had all the things that earth celebrates, but there was a vacancy deep down in the, in the fiber of his being. And he goes, there, I can have it all on the outside, but there's something missing on the inside. And I want to talk to you today a little bit about this idea out of the parable of the lost sons. The lost sons, the faithful father. They call it the prodigal son story. I'm going to read 11 verses. Read it with me really fast. Uh, just over 11 verses. Then he said, to, there was a certain man that had two sons. How many? The younger son said to the father, give me. Say it with me, give me. I'm not going to go super hard. I'm not going to exegete super long. But I want to give you this idea today that some of you are empty in life because you have a very shallow relationship with the Father. And it started and it stopped with give me. You know why some of you are so empty? Because the only thing you know the Father as is the God that gives me. Give me a good job. Give me a good spouse. Give me a good life. Give me blessings. Give me favor. And I believe one of the reasons why we moved to Orange County is to shift the narrative from immature baby Christians that just say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And you're going to watch the progression here. Are you still with me? I'm talking to you today. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. Some of you are still in the season of give me. And I believe that God has a promised land for you. He has a destiny for you. There are things that he made you to do that no one else will do. But you'll never do it until you shift out of the gear of give me. The world is hollow in the Christian circles because too many leaders are living with give me. Preaching the gospel of give me. Jesus came to give you Jesus, and after he gave you Jesus, he wants you to give you your, he wants you to, yourself to give it back to him. He says, he says, give me. Immature Christianity starts and stops with give me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Can I stop? Can I stop? Listen, he wasn't asking for money because he didn't have money. He wasn't asking for wealth from his father because he wasn't wealthy. He was living in the mansion. He had hired servants. He had a house cleaner. He had a personal chef. He had the Rolex. He had the, the, he had the Rolls Royce. He had everything his wealthy father possessed. But the reason why he came to him that day and he said, give me, is because it wasn't about money. It was about self-control. 
And when I say self-control, I'm not referring to a fruit of the spirit. I'm talking about the idea of being rebellious and living for yourself. This is where immature lost Christians dwell. When they say, I believe in God, but I want to live on my own terms. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, I'm going to go to heaven one day, but for now, I'm going to have it my way. Bon Jovi said, it's my life. Right? I don't know the rest of the song. Just That part came to me in that moment. You guys still with me? Just making sure you're still with me today. All right, watch this. It says, give me all that falls to me in my livelihood. Not many days after that, the younger son gathered all. He journeyed to Las to a far country, I was going to say Las Vegas, and then I was going to have you laugh, but I didn't do that. And I, I thought you guys would laugh anyways, and you still didn't laugh. And then it occurred to me, it's 98 degrees, not the band. You still with me? Let's keep going. It says this. So he journeyed to a far country, and he wasted. Say it with me, wasted. Wasted his possessions on wild, prodigal living. When he spent everything, there arose a severe famine in the land. What happened? Famine. What happened? I'm telling you right now, nothing will wake you up faster than a famine. Nothing. He began to be in want. He was wild. He was wasting. He was in want. Then he joined himself to the citizen of that country. He sent him into the field, into the field to feed the swine. He would gladly fill his mouth with the stomach, uh, with the pods that the, the the pig ate. No one gave him anything. All your friends love you when you're high and on top. But when the money, when the money stops and the drugs stop, I'm telling you, you'll be all alone. That life dries up eventually. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants, hired servants, have bread enough to spare, and I'm here dying of hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned. I, didn't, I don't have a struggle. I didn't make a mistake. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just, I'm just, I'm just a little struggle, a little struggle, a little struggle. No, no. He said, I have sinned. I've sinned. Messed up. Fallen short. I've sinned not only against heaven. But I've sinned before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. Make me. Make me. You know when things begin to change in your life? When you have this revelation that God the Father is worthy of your full surrender. And you choose to say, God, I don't want you to give me. I want you to make me. I want you to make me. <clears throat> Some of you, I'd encourage you to do Ocean's College because you're living with give me. And in a in nine-month window, God will actually make you. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a great way off, his father saw him had compassion on him. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your side. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He said, but the father said to him, servants, bring out the best. Bring out the best. Bring out the That's what God does. When we deserve the worst, God brings out the Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Some tevas. Bring out the fatted calf and kill it. Let us be merry for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he is found. He began to be merry. They celebrated. The older son was also in the field. Younger son was in the field. Older son was in the field. And they came down. They drew near the house. And he heard the music. He heard the dancing. How many know that when you hear dancing, that's a, that's a good dance? It's a lot of, that's stomping the yard right there. So we called one of the servants and asked these things what they meant. 
He said to him, your brother came home, and because he's received safe and sound, your father is killed. He started barbecuing. Let's just make it modern. He, he started barbecuing. The Lord is in the barbecue. Can I get a witness? But he was angry. He would not go in. Therefore, the father came out, pleaded with him. So he answered and said to the father, I've been with you all my life, serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. You never barbecued for me and my friends. How is it that you and your, the son of yours comes home, has devoured your livelihood, all of your money with harlots and crazy living in Las Vegas, making it modern day, that you killed the fatted calf for him? He said, son, you were always with me. You were always with me. You were always with me. And all, and all. What part? This is very, very important for Christians today. Most Christians that live in the house begrudgingly, that you're serving God, I'm loving God, I'm living for God, I'm not partying, I'm not doing bad things, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do, come on. Living this self-righteous, holy life. I've been serving God all my life. I've never done anything wrong. And God to you is duty, not delight. Father's response was, you're always with me. And all. All that I have. How many people are in the house, but they're not living going after all that God has? Some of you today, you've been in church your whole life, but you let some dead preacher in some dead church convince you that everything that's good in the Bible was for yesterday. God says, all that I have is yours. It's right that we barbecue. That's what he said. It's right we get the barbecue sauce out. It's right we start seasoning some meats, smoking some stuff, make it a modern day. You're like, is that the end of the Bible? Where's that at? Is that the Greek? Where's my lexicon? Uh, <laughs> he says, what? Well, it was right. He says, right that we'd be fr- meet Mary. He says, because uh, your brother was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. I want to talk to you just for like 15 minutes. Is that all right? Be a short one today. On the idea of returning to God and coming alive again. Alive, say it with me, alive again. Some of you died 30 years ago, but you won't be buried for another 30 years. It's time to come alive. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just ask you today to come in these tents. I pray, Lord, San Juan and here and everyone watching online that you'd meet us. I know that we spent time earlier on other things, so I ask you that you would make up what we missed. I pray that you would do more with less time, and I thank you that you would heal, that you would speak, that, God, you would encourage, that you would shake off the shame of yesterday, that you would break through the boundaries of what's been holding us back. And I pray that in this hour, in this day in Orange County, that we would be living wholly devoted, wholly surrendered. God, loving your word, obeying your voice, and following your spirit in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said a good old-fashioned, amen. amen. I don't know what makes you feel alive. I think everybody's wired differently. I've met people that calculus makes them feel alive. And to you, I say, God bless you. I know people, man, that they're like, I love yard work. Yard work makes me feel alive. I'm like, God bless you. I'm not into crabgrass, pulling weeds, fertilizing lawns. I'm all into turf. Can I get a witness up in here? I'm into no maintenance, low maintenance. 
Some people, though, it's life. Getting outside, it's life. Some of you sitting at a desk all day, staring at a computer screen and spreadsheets, you're like, that's life. I'm like, God bless you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody gets life out of different things. When I was younger, I discovered snowboarding. And for me, man, that first time I got air off the ground, it was life. I'm like, sign me up for more of that. Went to Mammoth a couple weeks ago, had my mountain bike, went to the top, gondola, 11,000 feet, blasting down, felt like 11-year-old boy in the neighborhood with ramps jumping off the curb again. It was life. You drive by Krispy Kreme and it has that light on, fresh baked donuts. That's life. There's some stuff in the world that makes you feel alive. And I believe, man, there's many people in the tents, even today, living your life, that you're like, Mark, I should feel alive, but I just, I'm being very honest. I'm successful. I've achieved high levels of, of influence and prominence. I have a beautiful family. I married an incredible spouse. On paper, my life is rocking. But I'll be very honest with you today. I feel like with my, my walk with God, at some point it was better, or being honest with you, I've never really felt that close. Or you're in a season right now that you kind of feel like you're in a 97 degrees desert, wow. middle of Palm, Orange County. Yes. What is going on? I don't feel, I don't feel as alive today as I felt in pre previous seasons. And as I prayed for you, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you today that every morning is a fresh opportunity to come alive. I believe every day there is a clean, crisp invitation that God says, do you want to come alive today? Do you want to walk with me today? Do you want to know me today? The problem is most of us never return to coming alive because we don't understand the sequential order to life. Let me tell you a few things. Empty living is really broken down into this idea. Whenever you give your highest honor to something lower than God. You end up dead on the inside. Got your dream watch, got your dream job, got your dream house. But you're like, why am I still struggling with sin? Why am I still giving into this darkness? Why are the, the urges in my carnality driving my life? And I would say to you that whenever you give your highest surrender to anything lower than God, there will be this vacuum on the inside of your soul. Because empty living is when you are living for a give me. Give me blessing. Give me favor. Give me this. Give me this. Give me, God, just give me. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me. My kids came into the world with a give me mentality. You don't have to teach a, a toddler. I've heard it said the only difference between a toddler and a terrorist is you can negotiate with a terrorist. Are you hearing me today? You get into a grocery store, a Target, you get into a Costco, and the toy section becomes visible to a three-year-old's eyes. There is no getting out of there without spending money. Give me. If you don't give me, I'm going to lie on the concrete. I'm going to flail and flap like the demoniac. What's your name? Legion, for we are many. What's going on with these kids? Give me. And I believe many Christians, they deny God when he stops giving. Give me. 
Give me. I'm not saying, look, I'm all about the blessing of God. I love it when God takes care of my needs. I love it when he hears my prayers. God does honor my desires. But there is a shadow side to an empty life when all you know God is as the great genie that gives. He is greater than a father that just gives. He is a father that is so rich in mercy, so benevolent, so gracious, so kind, that when you discover his goodness, all you want to do is say, I don't want you to give me, I want you. I want you to make me. You know you're living a give me Christianity when you realize that all you do with your life is you're, you're basically asking God to give you things just so you can live wasteful. Wait, give me people are wasteful people. There are people that take the blessing of God, the favor of God, and they spend it only on themselves. They're building their own empires. They're building their own kingdoms. They don't care about building the eternal church. They just want to build their empires. And I want you to know that Jesus is not returning for parachurch organizations. He's not returning for 501c3, just nonprofits. All great things, all great things. He's coming back for his bride. The building? No, 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 no. The people. It's the kingdom of God. At the center of God's kingdom is his bride. He's coming back for a glorious, good-looking, without spot, without wrinkle. That means Botox bride. I believe that God is coming back for a glorious church. So what do you know? I know some of you are empty today because God has given you what you wanted and you're still empty. God gave you the job you wanted. God gave you the favor. God answered the prayers you prayed in college. God's held up his end of the bargain. Where's your end of the bargain? Some of you prayed, God, if you would make me prosperous, I would fund, I would build, I would live to give your kingdom life. And God has answered your prayer, but you haven't answered yours. You know, there's a difference between a vow and an oath. A vow is when you promise to do something for God. Is an oath is when you promise not to do something for God. And some of you have made vows that, God, if you would do this, I would do this. And the Bible says to keep your vows. You hear me today? I don't know why I feel something in here. That's not on my notes. I just want you to know that many people are living the give me Christianity. And if you live give me Christianity, you will be wasteful. The prodigal went to Vegas. He stayed at the Venetian. He rented the presidential suite. He hired women of the night. He had, he had uh, all the high roller tables. He was drinking like a fish. He was smoking like a chimney. He was doing everything that he thought would bring him life. And the more he drank the salt water around him, the faster he died. Because I'm telling you, sin looks like water. It looks refreshing, but it's actually salt water. And the more you consume your carnal appetite's desire, the faster your spirit begins to die. And that's why you can live in a mansion, but feel poor on the inside. He had everything. Give me. And he was wasteful. And if you're wasteful long enough, you'll begin to live wild. You'll start making decisions you, you wouldn't make before. Your convictions will shift. You'll start, you'll start tolerating things that you said that you would never tolerate. You'll start acting like parents uh, in ways that you said, I will never act like my parents. When God is your genie, you live wasteful. You will live wild. You'll start justifying compromise and darkness and wickedness. And I'll be honest, man, if there was ever an hour in history that we got to get more of the church in the world and less of the world out of the church, it's now. 
I don't want to live wasteful. I don't want to live wild. Because if I do eventually, like the prodigal, I'm going to end up in want. Spent everything. Where's my friends? I'm listening. Some people are all about you right now. It's easy to be surrounded by yes men that are singing your praises. And they're not going to say anything about the compromise in your life. You need people that listen to me. Confront the darkness. You need people to remind you to be small in your own eyes. You need people in your life to say, you know what? Let's go after God in a pure heart. I'm not impressed by what you have. I'm impressed by who you belong to. We got to be people that listen to me. We're not just wild. We're not wasting. We're not going to end up in want. And you know some of you are in want because when you're in want long enough, like the prodigal, you start saying, I'm no longer, I'm not worthy anymore. I don't have value anymore. I feel like I'm not, I'm the, some people, and that's, how do people in Hollywood with full bank accounts, married to models, having everything that humanity says fulfills, how do those people take their lives? I'll tell you how. If the devil can get you to live, give me. If, if, if the world can convince you it's about wasteful, wild living, you will eventually end up spiritually in want. And I can, I can promise you today, you know how you live the greatest year you've ever lived in your whole life? Do you know that today, I'm going to talk about this next week, you can live the greatest year you have ever lived, regardless of who's the president, regardless of the political landscape, regardless of the economic landscape, how do you know you can live your best year? Very simple answer. If you will prioritize this year, I'm getting closer to God than I've ever been. If your spirit thrives... It'll make up for shortcomings in other areas. If your spirit is feasting on the goodness of God, it'll push you forward in other areas. The idea of God prospering you, it's not about having a Rolex and having a jet. The idea of prospering is the idea that God's wind would be behind you. How many say, I would like it if God's wind was behind me? It's the idea of God pushing you forward. That is the blessing of God. So the younger son, he goes, give me empty, selfish, self-centered living. I'm going to waste it. I'm going to be wild. And when I'm in wild, I'm going to end up in want. Because, listen, you can get away with it for a while. Everyone thinks they're invincible until their life falls apart. I have a family member that won all these awards, was a high achiever out of college, won awards that most people never win in their lifetime. He was winning it at 21. Became a huge titan in his industry. And literally started hanging out with a fast crowd, probably of Orange County, doing cocaine. Thought he could get away. I'm, look, I'm doing drugs. I'm sniffing stuff. I'm smoking stuff. I'm sleeping with everything I can. And I'm literally living as wild as I want. And, and I remember growing up, I thought, man, you can have it all, and it's never going to catch up with you. But what I'll tell you is, is what society doesn't advertise in their fake movies is that if you think you're Superman long enough, eventually you'll experience kryptonite. And many people, I'm telling you, if you live wild long enough, give me long enough, wasteful long enough, you will eventually in want. And when you do, almost done, you will eventually end up in want. And when you're in want long enough, you start going, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe no one does love me. Maybe life doesn't matter. Maybe it would be better if I just died. And I want to tell you today that it wouldn't be better if you died. It would be better if you lived. It would be better if you came fully alive. So how do you come alive, preacher? I'll tell you. You got to shift your mentality from a give me 
to a make me. How do you return to God in a way that says, God, make me? Here's the good news. You're never too old. You're never too young to start. I believe that we, we return to God when we shift our focus from give me genie to make me because of your, number one, lordship. I'll break down the sequential order of why most Christians live empty their whole lives, even though God's been good to them. Very simple. You guys ready? Number one reason why you're empty, you believe in God, but your life is still hollow, is because you believe in him, but he's not the controller of your life. Deuteronomy 30, I'd, I'd encourage you to read it this week. It talks about if you choose life, that if you'll follow my word, if you'll obey my voice, if you will cling to me, he says, then I will prosper you in all that you do. Most people, they believe in God, they're just not surrendered to him. God's on their payroll, they're not on God's. I'll tell you today that God is a terrible employee, but he's a phenomenal boss. And some of you don't like God because you treat him as your employee. He is not your employee. Jesus didn't go to the cross to be your employee. He is your employer. Can I get a witness up in the tents? You still with me today? Come on, this is better than you're you're responding right now. If you're bored right now, you're boring. God is moving in these tents. I would tell you this today, boldly, loudly, clearly, number one, if you want to return to God and come alive, you got to say, God, I don't just believe in you. I surrender to you. You're in charge of my money. You said that? Yeah, I said that. You're in charge of my job. You said that? Yeah, I said that. No, Mark, there's business and then there's ethics. No, there's not. There's just ethics. Some of you are in career fields that you have to cheat people for a living. And if God becomes Lord, you need to get out of that field. Will I give to the church? If you are ripping people off to live the way you live, what good is a mansion now to be in heaven and go, uh, yeah, your name's not in the book. I would tell you today that when God goes from just the big guy in the sky that gives me to the, to the Savior King on the cross, that's worthy of being my Lord. Lordship is go, God, I believe. Paul said, who are you? Lord, today some of you will come alive when you say, God, I don't just believe in you. I surrender to you. I want to say it again. I don't just believe in you. I surrender to you. These drugs that are defining my life, I surrender them to you. These addictions that I've been justifying, I surrender them to you. The compromise in the crevices of your life, I surrender them to you. Some of you today are justifying things. You're taking one scripture out of passage. When you take a text out of its context, all you're left with is a con. I met people that have justified doing things like, well, I cheated on my wife because of this. And I, there's a scripture for this. It's like, dude, stop manipulating the Bible to accommodate your perverted worldview. He's not just the big guy in the sky. He's my Lord. Make me your son. And I believe that you'll never really discover sonship. You'll never discover friendship until you discover lordship. First ship you want to get on with God is lordship. Can I get a witness in here today? The first ship, there's a P in there, that gets you back alive again is today, again, whether you're 90 or you're 19, Jesus I love what Dennis said. He had all the reasons in the world not to do Ocean's College. But he made up his mind and says, God, if you were asking me to do this, you are the boss, not me. 
And I'd rather be in the will of God than in my own will. You guys ready today? Catch this. Number one, we return by making him our Lord. The higher your surrender, the greater God can fill your life. Some of you, you believe in God, but you're spiritually empty. You know why? Because your surrender is shallow. The shallower your surrender, the shallower your bowl is that God can fill up. And the deeper your surrender, the more ounces you give God to fill your life up. How many today would say, Mark, I want him to be my Lord. Lordship, I was going to call it servantship, but that's not a word. So write it down, servanthood. He says, make me. So he has this lordship revelation. Make me. He's the father. There's people in his house in famine. Because remember this, in famines of the world, economic famines, racial famines, division in the world, when there's famines in the world, there is never famines in the father's house. How many of my father's servants have bread enough to spare and I'm dying of hunger in the field? One son was lost in the field of the world. The other son was lost in the field of the church. Both were lost in the field. The field represents the world. We know it because Matthew 13, 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, 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 hidden in a... What treasure is he talking about? The wayward son that's lost in the world. And the wayward son that's lost in the church. Jesus died for both sons. He died for that treasure. You're the treasure in the field. I'll sell everything that I have in heaven. I will come to earth. I will be a ransom for many to buy that field. This is the God that we serve. And you're not alive today because you've never surrendered to his lordship. Or you've never been willing to become his servant. Well, I thought I was God's son. I'm telling you, if you want to know God as a father, you got to be willing to become his servant. Notice Moses, Exodus 3. God says, take your shoes off. Before he can live with his shoes on, he had to take his shoes off. Why? Because servants don't wear shoes. And before Moses could be a son, he had to be willing to surrender his status as a son. To say, God, I know I am your son, but I know I don't deserve it. So make me your servant. Make me your servant. Make me your servant. Some of you never been alive because you never said, God, I'll be your servant. You just want God to bless you. Where are the people that say, God, make me a great servant? Not too important to help others. Listen, I don't care how much money you have. You're never too big to love other people. And when was the last time you helped somebody that can't help you back? Servants. And I'll tell you that when you get the revelation that I'm a servant, you'll start returning. And when you say, God, make me not just your servant, make me your son. After you get the servant thing down, take your shoes off. God meets with Moses. And after the burning bush, he put his shoes back on. And he went from a servant to a son. I believe one of the the mandates of Ocean's Church is to teach a county that believes in the Bible that there's more than just belief in the Bible. There is surrender to his lordship. There is a surrender to say, God, make me a servant. And then when I'm a servant and I'm surrendered to the Lord, make me a son and daughter. And then when the sonship and the daughtership revelation hits, this is where it gets exciting. You start friendship. Some of you will never know your kids as friends because you never father them as sons. 
And I want the Lord, I heard the Lord say this, that the reward of raising your kids right is friendship. And God says the same thing to you. You know why you're my son? You know why you're my daughter? Let me treat you like a father. Let me correct you as a father. Let me love you as a father. Let me lead you as a father. Let me inspire you as a father. But there's times that I'm going to spank you as a... Hebrews says that God doesn't correct kids that aren't his own. I don't spank other people's kids. That's child abuse. You only discipline your own kids. And you know why God disciplines you? Because he's your... He's your what? And when he's your father, you're his son. And when you let him be a father to you, great sons eventually become friends of their parents. And you know what I felt the Lord say? Very, this is so powerful last night. He said, you know, Mark, you know why you moved to Orange County? Because I want you to teach the world, teach the earth how to be friends of God. You know what I want for you? Whether you're old or young, I want you to live in the joy of being a friend of God. I am. There's people that preach, I'm a friend of God. Yeah, you're a friend. You don't even know what friendship is. Because friendship has four layers to it. Lordship, servanthood, sonship, and then, and only then, you get to friendship. And you know why some of you are empty? You're like trying to be a friend of God, but you've never surrendered your money. You never joined a small group. You never even served in a church. You're not even involved in building his kingdom. You're like, God, give me. You're a give me Christian, not a make me Christian. I want God to make, are you kidding? I'm sorry this is fire today. But I just feel like you're empty inside and you're not coming alive because you never said, Lord, make me. You're my Lord. Lord, make me your servant. And God, make me your son so you can raise me up. Because when God raises sons, one day sons and daughters become their friends. You'll never be a friend of God until you're a good son and daughter. I heard it said, when you're ready to learn as a son and daughter, that's when the father shows up. Some of you, it says, now there's not many fathers in the kingdom. I think there's not many fathers in the faith because most people don't walk with God long enough to get to that age. There's too many compromises in life that take good men and good women out. But I want to tell you today that my goal is I want to be faithful in all of his house. I want anybody else in here today as we close to say, Lord, make me. You're my Lord. Make me. I am your servant. Come on, stand to your feet. I am your son. And if I'm your son, I will one day be your friend. Pray this prayer with me all over the tents as you stand. Say it in San Juan and say it here today. How many just come on by showing of hands? You would say this, Mark. I would, well, you don't say this right now. Say it. All right, don't say it right now. Watch, watch, watch. Watch, watch. Just watch. Just watch. Catch this. How many would say in your heart that one of these areas I need to shift into? I need to shift out of give me Christianity, that I'm living wild and wasteful and I'm, I'm, I'm in want. I'm no longer worthy. And I want to become a son that literally I can, I can say, you are my Lord. Make me. I am your servant, make me. I am your son, I am your daughter, make me. Because the goal, I believe, of knowing God is friendship with God, but it only happens when he's Lord. It only happens when you're humble enough to be a servant. It only happens when you're, when you're, when you're actually a, a son and daughter enough to be corrected by the Father. And when you let him do those things, yes, you end up with a friendship with God. Thank you.
by showing your hands, how many would say, I want to be a friend of God? You know why we start Oceans Church? Because there's too many kids that are orphans that have never discovered friendship with God. And they never discovered friendship because they never discovered sonship. And they never discovered sonship because they never discovered servanthood. And they've never discovered servanthood because they've never surrendered on the altar of lordship. So put your hands down now. Now that we know we want to be friends. How many wants to start the journey today? And you feel the Lord saying to you, you know what? You believe in me. I love you. No question. God loves you. No question. No question. But we're being very honest today in this moment, in this hot, humid tent. We're being honest. And we're saying today, you know what, God? If I'm being very real with you, I'd say the hardest areas to give God is your dreams, your priorities, and your money. I would say the three things that probably the devil has a hold on you, if he's not the Lord of your life, is you've never fully given God your dreams. I got to hustle. I got to grind to get my dreams done. Some of you are like 25 and you're like, you need to do Oceans College. And you're like, no, I'm going to make my own way. And I'm telling you, if you'll just surrender God your dreams, and if you can surrender your dreams, make God your priority. And if God becomes your priority, you'll trust him with everything, including one of the hardest areas. I say the two hardest things in life to get to, to manage is your money and your sexuality. The two number one reasons of divorce, you know what it is? Money and infidelity. So if we can surrender our sexuality to God, and we can surrender our finances to God, and we put everything under the Lordship of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Is this too real for Orange County? We want God to be the Lord of our lives. So Lordship. How many today say, Mark, I, I believe in God? Maybe you don't believe in God. But you're like, you know what I want to do today? I don't want to just be a give me Christian. I want him to make me, I want him to make me one of his friends by, number one, saying I want to make him the Lord of my life. Not just the God I believe in, but the Lord. How many would say, I want to, he's got control starting today. Would you raise your hands all over? You feel the Holy Spirit just touching your heart. I'm going to give him full control. I'm going to trust him. I would say, San Juan, I would say about 50% of the church raised their hands. That's awesome. Okay, cool. That's awesome. You don't have to raise your hand. If you don't feel convicted in that area, you don't have to do it. Second area, how many feel convicted? You go, I, I'm surrendered to his lordship, but I've never really embraced the role of a servant. And I want to start serving my wife. I want to serve my husband. I want to serve my kids. I want to start serving maybe in the church. Maybe you can't serve every week, but you can serve once a month, once a quarter. Give your gift to God in the house. How many say, I just feel like the Lord challenging me, make me a servant. Would you raise your hand? I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I'm in for it. I'm in for it. Okay. San Juan, I would say about 30% of the tents have their hand up right now. That's awesome. Put your hands down. Last thing, we're almost done. How many say, I... I, I know what it is to serve, but I have a hard time believing that I'm God's son. And part of the reason is because you've never given God permission to really correct you. You know you're God's when you disagree and you go with his way. When was the last time God told you to do something you didn't want to do and you did it? If you haven't, I would say you're probably not walking in sonship. Because fathers tell sons and daughters to do things they don't want to do. And good sons and good daughters will trust their parents and follow it anyways. How many say, I don't want to just be a fan of God. I don't want to be a servant of God alone. I don't want to just say, he's Lord. I want to be a son and daughter. You can correct me, God. You can guide me. Would you raise your hands up? San Juan, I would say about 35% are saying today, I want to be God's son. I want to be God's daughter. Now lastly, maybe you go, Mark, I surrender to his lordship. I'm living as a servant. I'm, I'm in a sonship position. But you know what I want to do? 
I want to enjoy God. Here's what I heard the Lord say. That verse I read it to you. The father said to the older son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. I wonder how many of us will get to heaven and God will say, there was things that I had for you on earth that you never went after. I told you all that I have. God says, all that I have is available to you. And you say, Mark, I don't want to just be God's son and daughter. I want to be God's friend. Anybody want to be a friend of God? You raise your hand. Any of those four areas, lift both hands. I know it's hot. I know your, your armpits are sweating. I preached on my underwear wet. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. This is God. God is in the business of meeting with his kids. Hands up all over San Juan. Raise your hands. Pray this prayer today. Say, Lord, today I decide to go from give me to make me. Make me your servant. Make me your son and daughter. Make me your friend. Today, I surrender to your leadership, your lordship, your sovereignty, and your mercy. I ask you today to fill me, lead me, guide me into friendship with you. In Jesus' name. Hey, last thing we do, I know we prayed for the sick already. The last thing we do in this service, if you're here today, you prayed that prayer, you might have already raised your hand, but if you've never officially responded to something like this, you've never said, I want to make Jesus the God of my life. Or you know that you're off track, you're knee-deep in compromise. You know there's things that you said you would never do that you've been doing lately. And you know that today's the day that you need to rededicate your heart to God that you need to return back to him with all of your heart. Some of you, I feel like today, some of you are at a crossroads. And if you don't let the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now bend you back to him, he will give you into the appetite you're going after. I don't want God to give me the wrong things. I want him to bend me back to him. Some of you today, it's a first time decision. Some of you, it's a willful decision that I'm not going after the darkness anymore. I'm going back to God both ways eyes closed i'm not going to embarrass you i'm just going to have you raise your hand we're out of time you say mark today i want to give my life to jesus or today i'm returning back to god i don't want to live any longer for myself i don't want to live another day without the father in my life he'll be my lord i'll be a servant i'll be his son and guess what i will be a friend of god that's you all over the tents i want you to raise your hand right now I'll give you three seconds. Today's the day that I come home. Today is the day I return. Today's the day of salvation. Real high, real high, real high. Keep it up. Don't be scared. Keep it up. I see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Real high, real high. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Real high. I love it. I see sixteen hands. Anybody else? Sixteen hands. Awesome. Put your hands down. At least sixteen. San Juan, raise your hand. I love it if someone would count his eyes closed in San Juan as well. If you're online watching, write heart, H-E-A-R-T, H-E-A-R-T. Right now, you're watching, your heart's beating out of your rib cage. You're sweating in weird parts of your body. God is speaking. H-E-A-R-T, I'm giving you my heart. And all online, all over San Juan and all over this hot tent, say like this, Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are God. That you're worthy of my highest surrender. Say it like this. You're worthy of my highest honor. So today, 
I make you Lord, give you priority, preeminence to make me your servant, your child, and eventually your friend. In the name of Jesus Christ, the greatest name God's people said. Come on, would you give me a hand clap today? I'm excited for next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.